Oddly, that uh, feels warm as compared to <laughs> what we've been faced with. Yeah, and we, as we look ahead, 58 are high today, although we could have some rain. Uh, right now, it's uh, basically, um, I wouldn't say sunny, but it's, it's nice out. Anyway, tomorrow, 53 a high. Thursday, 67, but they're just saying um, uh, more rain than we might get today. In fact, it may rain all day mm. on Thursday. Friday, 58, mostly sunny. And as we look ahead, everything's in, except for Saturday, it's 41 uh, high. But otherwise, everything in the 50s. So spring is in the air, I hope. Oh, yes, me too. <laughs> certainly. I can certainly stand it, that's for sure. Well, um, folks, uh, we remind you that... Um, there's a game tonight, Ohio University taking on uh, uh, Northern Illinois, but they're playing away, right? So that's an 8 o'clock uh, game start, and um, we'll, we'll be airing that on our stations. So um, go Bobcats, right? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. And uh, looking ahead, we have a home game on the 10th. 7.30 game, and we'll be hosting Akron. The Zips. Do you have as much animosity toward those folks as you do uh, the folks from Miami by any chance? No, not, <laughs> it's not the same degree. Uh, certainly, um, I'm trying to look at all the different school names here, and no, I don't think so. Miami's the, uh, the one I love to uh, tease the most. But um, anyway, that's the way it is. I always, I always did like uh, those, you know, like in high school when you got the cross-county rivalries or neighboring county rivalries. Of course. It's always cool like that. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, the crowds are affected too. Oh, yeah. You know, you get a rivalry and, man, the uh, attendance zips up. Yeah. Zips up. <laughs> I used an Akron term. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Anyway, um, well, good morning, folks. Welcome. Uh, let's do this on day in, in history. Rodney uh, uh, normally gets to look these over a little bit in advance, and uh, today we had some other projects going on, so it didn't happen. So we'll try to make you race. All right. Okay. So the year 1301, Edward of Carnarfon. Later, simply known as Edward II, becomes the first English prince of Wales. Uh, would you like me to spell this, Cairnartan? No, I got a little something on him. You here. found it, okay? Yeah. Um, and I have no idea if I'm saying it. Is that a T or an F? That's an F. Cairnarfon. Okay. Well, anyway, what do we have? Uh, he was uh, king uh, 18... Well, he was alive, I guess, 18... April 25th, 1284 to 1327. And I got all these doggone pop-ups keep blocking my thing. Was the son of Edward I. That makes sense, being Edward II. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. He was the last Welsh... Uh, well, <clears throat> the last Welsh prince... Uh, was killed. Oh, see, the last prince 
Welsh prince was killed in a, a battle in 1282 by Edward I in the spring of 1301. The king declared Edward the Prince of Wales, granting him Earldom of Chester and lands across North Wales. That's his significance right there. Okay. Yeah. 1842, only jumping ahead 500 years. He, yeah. uh, the Battle of Debray Tabor. Boy. So D-E-B-R-E-T-A-B-O-R. Then they have a bunch more stuff here. It says uh, Ras Ali Alula, regent of the emperor of Ethiopia, defeats warlord Wube Hale Maryam of Simeon. Simeon. Whew. That's one of the roughest I've had for a while. <laughs> well, just to let you know, the Battle of Debor, Tabor, or Debray Tabor, was, uh, it was to gain control of Ethiopia, and uh, it was at a steep price um, as this victory failed to cement uh, the position of uh, the, the leader in that, uh, at that time. I think it was Ra Ali II. Um, and, of course, so he never actually really gained control after uh, winning the battle when it was all said and done anyway. Hmm. All right. Now we just move ahead uh, 14 years to 1856, and they say Colonial Tasmanian Parliament passes the first piece of legislation known as the Electoral Act of 1856. This is the first piece of legislation anywhere in the world providing for elections by way of a secret ballot. Ah. Secret ballot. Yes. They may, but does the public vote on it, or is this some, you know, I, I, <laughs> a secret ballot? Well, we can just take it as it is, I guess. Um, let's move ahead. 1991, the Provisional Irish Republic Ar Republican Army, the Irish Republican Army, launches a mortar attack on 10 Downing Street during a cabinet meeting in an attempt to assassinate Prime Minister John Major, injuring four people. Um, golly. You know, when I think of Ireland and Wales and England and all of that, I, I, I sort of thought they were all... Um, <laughs> who, who, who were they trying to assassinate? Uh, they wanted to... Um, let me find it again here. Prime Minister John Major. So... Um, anyway, we, that, that's good enough. 1992... The, Ma the Maastricht Treaty. Let me spell it for you, Rodney. M double A S T R I C H T. The Maastricht Treaty is signed by 12 countries from the European Community to create the European Union. Yeah, that's uh, the the EU that everyone is talking about. You know, I didn't realize that that was wasn't as only as recent as 1992. For some reason, it just seems like it's been around for a lot longer than that. But uh, 
you know, uh, especially with everything going on overseas mm-hmm. in the war, we hear a lot about this, and I think that uh, the general public is getting uh, is getting a good education on that. And well, to let you know, that was signed today in 1992. Then, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, famous birthdays and a couple famous deaths. In terms of birthdays, Ashton Kutcher. 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 Kutcher, yeah. Yeah, I thought I said it right, and then I questioned myself. Anyway, he's celebrating his 45th birthday today. Yeah, Ashton, you know, uh, he's one of my favorite actors. I'm not going to lie. I really enjoy him. I got acquainted with him uh, from that, that 70s show, if you ever watched that on TV. And for some reason, uh, whenever it was on, it was, uh, it you know, I, I really enjoyed it. And then, of course, they've got all the reruns and everything. But everything that he's been able to accomplish since then and a lot of the movies that and TV shows, he's got some Netflix series and things that he's put on has just been uh, uh, pretty incredible. So, uh, yeah, um, I, I saw, I was listening this morning uh, to some news reports, and uh, I think uh, he and his uh, co-actress were at the Grammys, and his wife didn't get a chance to go with him, and she texted him that, that how out of place that they, his, on, his like, uh, on-screen romance, uh, they looked like they weren't even friends hardly on, on the red carpet because he, he, he just couldn't. He couldn't do that he, he to his wife, I guess. It was pretty cool. So that was one of the things going around social media today with Ashton Kutcher and his wife. <laughs> well, um, Garth Brooks. Never heard of him. Nah, no, no. no. <laughs> 61st birthday today. And um, we. I must admit that I watched that show. Um, what is it? Um, a competition show. Uh, there's there's so many of them. Uh, there's American Idol. Yeah. There's um, which one is he on? Oh, I don't or even. Am I getting him confused with somebody? I, I don't know. I haven't. I don't watch enough of those shows anymore. He may be on one of the more recent ones. I yeah. I know. Um, I, I don't recall him. But I mean, that well, uh, he would be a good person to be on it. But you know, interesting story about that one, Dave. When uh, his first number one song, his first song, I believe it was The Dance, went to number one. I think it, if I'm not mistaken, it was around July uh, of that year. And the day that it went number one, he was actually performing in MacArthur, Ohio. I believe it was the 4th of July Festival, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I always thought that was pretty significant, you know. And, you know, I, I remember we, they, we were interviewing him on the radio then at that time. And, and you know you thought oh man that's pretty neat this guy this relative unknown but uh climbing star he he's in you know in our area today yeah. and uh, people can go see him for free and who would have ever realized that he be, would have become the star that he become that day uh you know for, from that day you know i mean he already was a rising star but i always thought that was pretty cool two others to mention in the way of birthdays uh, that of charles dickens 1812 on this date he was born he died in 1870 and could i just say an author uh yeah i mean that that kind of i guess sums it all up in a nutshell if you will and um 
Uh, right. he, he's famous for a lot of things, but I think uh, most people would probably recognize him mostly for A, a Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's the one that uh, most people know about him, but there are ten surprising facts about Charles Dickens, if you didn't know that. <laughs> ten surprising facts? Yeah. You know that he wrote A Christmas Carol in only six weeks? Okay. I, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know whether to find that. I mean, you would. Um, I, I'm not a writer, so I would tend to think that once the creative juices are flowing, you know how you always see on TV these movies and everything, or you know uh, these writers and these authors get these uh, advances on their books and they like never write anything, or they start writing something and and then they don't write, you know, for and it takes them forever to finish whatever the book it is. I would I mean I'm not a writer so I don't know so maybe it comes and goes in in spurts but you would think once you get the creative juices flowing that you know it would be something that you would take to the end of the project. So you know, but 6 weeks doesn't strike me as a long time. No. And um on the other hand, you know, you do it and then you review it and you tweak right. tweak here and there and and then finally you say oh, this is it yeah so um and 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 that was it because <laughs> that story i yeah. mean it is probably one, i mean it, to me it seems to be one of the most famous stories i mean and it and it touches all i think age groups you know i mean of i course. think i think yeah. every time you watch it whether you're a little kid whether you're uh, uh you know an adolescent or an adult or an older adult you know each time you watch it you get something different out of it i think i mean the message is all the same but you pick up on something different every time you watch it i think and the last of our four birthdays to mention today is that of john deere and uh the tractor yes (laughs) d-e-e-r-e and um I, 1804 on this date he was born he died in 1886 and uh, i'm pretty sure we're talking about the tractor guy yeah i'm trying to, I, every time i type in john deere all i get is tractors so i'm sure <laughs> yeah i'm sure that uh well i mean that's we've identified him I it's think. today john deere's birthday yes yes there we go. We got two a- two famous deaths to to deal with. Um, first is Anne Morrow Lindbergh, and um, let's see, she was born in 1906, but died on this date in 2001. Anne with an E, Morrow M O R R O W Lindbergh. L-I-N-D-B-E-R-G-H. Okay. Oh, wrong site. There we go. I got... Is that... It Was he in relation to Charles Lindbergh? I... That's what we're getting ready to find out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a photo here in her name in the years. That's it. Okay. Uh... I'm sorry, I'm having such a tough time today. That's what I get. Well, for we've not had be- a busy morning. Already. Yeah, yes. 
So. There it is. All right. So it's coming up. All right. Ann Moore Lindbergh, uh, Spencer, Ann Spencer Moore Lindbergh, June 22nd, 1906. To, she, didn't, she passed away in February 2001, as you said. An American writer and aviator. She was the wife of decorated pioneer aviator Charles, Charles Lindbergh. Charles Lindbergh. Yeah, so yes. yeah. So that does make a little bit of sense. But she herself an aviator. Yes. Cool. Yeah, she made uh, many ex, uh, exploratory flights, it says. I've done a few of those. All right. In the last, um, this is a death that we're um, bringing up today, is that of Harvey S. Firestone. Can we guess and assume? Yeah, that's who that would be. He's he's the tire guy, uh, Firestone Tire and Rubber. Um, I believe they've got a company still up in Akron or around that area, if I'm not mistaken. I but, think that's right. And... Uh, Definitely, he began a, a tradition, set a standard. Uh, he was teamed up with uh, guys like uh, Henry Ford and Thomas Edison, um, and they kind of worked together on a lot of different projects, especially with the Firestone tires and so forth. That uh, Henry Ford relationship certainly helped out. <laughs> well, um, let's see here. Let's, let's go somewhere else in terms of things going on. Um, things you need to know, right? Uh, if you've been watching um, TV or listening to the radio newscasts in the last 24 hours, maybe maybe it's even been 30. Um, this earthquake that affected Turkey and um, Syria, we are have a death toll now exceeding 5,000 people. Um, they say the highest um, degree of earthquake was a 7.8 magnitude. And there's been more than 120 aftershocks. Mm. Um, and, and more are expected. Uh, on all those numbers well the only one that's not going to climb probably is the the big one 7.8 that's a, a huge thing yeah well, at but least the death toll is going to climb <coughs> and the number of aftershocks are going to continue and um what a mess this region sits over the east anatolian fault zone a highly active conjunction of three tectronics. Hmm. Te tectonics, excuse me. Those being the An Anatolia, Arabia, and Africa plates. Hmm. So um, geographers, geologists, um, they would know what I'm talking about better than I do. Yeah, it says here the region sits on top of, a like you said, major fault lines frequently shaken by earthquake. Some 18,000 people were killed in a similarly uh, powerful earthquake that hit, the northwest, hit northwest Turkey in 1999. So this region, obviously, uh, it's not the first time they've had to deal with this, but uh, it doesn't make it any easier for sure. Um, we, we named those three plates, and what happened was that the, this was an a earthquake, a slip, a slide, whatever you want to call it, between two of them. Mm. 
and mercy. There's the, the photos, the videos of these buildings collapsing and just into a pile of rubble. Um, and then people having to search through it to try to find if there's survivors at all pinned. You know, we um, as a nation, as a whole, are, are truly blessed. There's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I mean, and and it's just, I mean, the re- anybody that doesn't have to know or deal with anything like, and I don't mean nation, anybody else in the world uh, that doesn't have to deal with anything like that, uh, you know, and, and we're, uh, thankfully we don't have to deal with that a lot here in this United States. But anyway, to, to I can't begin to understand. There's no, there's no understanding to know, you know, not only earthquake, but war-torn areas and, and things like that, that people, you know, I sometimes sit and I think and I wonder you know uh, you know you see these news reports you read these news articles and stuff and people talking about uh, the day-to-day struggles that they have to go through just to get clean drinking water or to just to get food or you know if if they're lucky enough to have power whatever the circumstance or situation may be and it, it, it's it's kind of overwhelming and uh, you know I, I wish there was more that we could do for people across the world but uh, you know, it, it, it certainly makes you feel helpless sometimes, Dave. <laughs> In Turkey alone, search teams have rescued 7,800 people from the rubble. Wow. Thousands of collapsed buildings. And, you know, some of the buildings I've seen that were falling were concrete. Mm-hmm. And, and you would think, that can't happen i know but it did um let's see here the u.s geological survey estimates damage from the pair of quakes may reach over one billion dollars that doesn't surprise me Mm -mm. um and the World Health Organization warned casualties may increase eightfold. Yeah, you know, at this at this point, you know, um, I just seen the news, you know, pop up. It said that a lady gave birth to uh, a baby under the rubble. Yes, I think that uh, they they may have gotten them out, but you know, uh, the numbers that we're hearing right now, I I believe, I don't think those are projected numbers, Dave. No. I think those are are numbers that they know for sure right now and as i pointed out earlier you know in 1999 when they had uh, a similarly uh, catastrophic earthquake they had some 18,000 that were dead so you know i mean with all the aftershocks and still a likelihood of more uh damage and things happening more buildings coming down if they've been weakened you know uh, unfortunately yeah that number could rise eightfold seems like a lot but wow it's hard to believe Well, let's move on. Uh, President Biden, President Joe Biden, will deliver his second State of the Union address. He will do it tonight. A speech given against the backdrop of rising consumer prices, a strong labor market, um, a new Republican House majority, and the ongoing war in the Ukraine. The address comes at a time when mixed economic, um, a a time of mixed economic indicators. 
The preceding 12 months saw the highest inflation in more than four decades, with consumer prices surging and the cost of financing home purchases almost doubling. At the same time, an estimated 517,000 jobs were added in January, with unemployment hitting a five-decade low of 3.4%. Biden is also expected to argue for continuing support of Ukraine in its war against Russia as the conflict nears the one-year mark, which uh, will occur on February 24th. The U.S. provided more than $50 billion in aid to Ukraine last year. And as you might expect, um, this will be televised, his speech tonight, on many of the networks. It starts at 9 in the evening. 9 o'clock, 9 p.m., there we go. Um, oh, and Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders... They've um, picked, if you will, to provide the GOP response, hmm. which typically follows his speech. Okay. What about this train here in Ohio? East Palestine, Ohio, is where this train derailment occurred. And... Authorities here in Ohio yesterday released toxic chemicals into the air from five tanker cars of that derailed train to prevent an explosion along the border of Ohio and Pennsylvania. The train, which had been primarily carrying hazardous materials, went off the tracks Friday night, causing a large chemical fire that has continued to burn. East Palestine, Ohio, I think it's about 5,000 people that live there. And um, in any case, that's how many residents were ordered to evacuate on Sunday. We have no word of any injuries, though. That's, you know, knocking on some wood here. Uh, the five cars were transporting the industrially produced chemical vinyl chloride which is um, used to make polyvinyl chloride or PVC um, which is a hard plastic plastic resin in plastic products the chemical is associated with increased risk of liver brain and lung cancers among other diseases I see a, an update from the Mahoning County uh, Emergency Medical uh, Authority, the EMA there. Uh, they, they say that the Ohio EPA and the U.S. EPA completed air sampling throughout Mahoning County and did not read any reportable levels of contaminants in the air. Uh, they continue to advise citizens to exercise common sense as well as stay tuned to local media and government sources for information. So... Uh, some area residents may get to uh, start going home, it looks like, uh, here today. But this, uh, this uh, report that I'm reading uh, came in like three hours ago. So mm -hmm. this, is, uh, uh, this is rather new and fresh stuff. Yeah, and let's see here. I'll look at mine. 
My report is as of 5.38 this morning. Anyway, um, I know that, you, you know, the when the train derailed, it ruptured some of those cars, and immediately you had this huge fire. But there were other cars that also had chemicals, right? particularly the one we mentioned, uh, but some other ones as well, and um, they have been... Um, I'm, I'm probably using the wrong term, but puncturing those to allow them to burn as well. Yeah, and the reason for that is because with the extreme heat, as it builds up, if they ha- if it has that pressure on it, it's it's going to ex- explode. And I can't imagine what a tanker car full of whatever explosive materials are on board, what, what kind of damage that would do. So... Uh, the lesser of two evils, I guess, there would be to just let it uh, burn out on the ground rather than um, uh, risk it blowing up. Um, certainly a major change in type of news, but Harry Styles wins the top prize, album of the year at the Grammys. Beyonce hauls in a record 33rd award. Um and I guess 12.4 million viewers watched it. Wow. Which is up 30% from last year's show. So, let's see here. What else do we have? Um, I think we covered some of this. Um... Let's let's uh, let's do something else here. What time is it? Nine forty-one. Nine forty-two, exactly. Actually, um, in the uh, New York Times news, let's see if they've got something to bring up that we haven't covered already. So uh, the their principal story is that of the earthquake, and we've talked about that already some. Um, Page, turn page, turn page. (laughs) The next story, President Biden's delivery tonight. So that we've covered. Um, Let's see. Um, Presidential hopefuls are focusing on education, including criticizing schools' handling of race and gender. Interesting. Um, China has now said that 80,000 people died in its recent COVID wave. How many did you say? 80,000. But a survey of top academic um, obits... Academic studying obits believe that toll is maybe actually much larger. Hmm. We've got some more balloons. <laughs> I read that yesterday. They had some video this morning. Yeah. Uh, you know, folks, we were talking about that mysterious white balloon that uh, came in from, like, Canada and then crisscrossed, not crisscrossed, but crossed our nation, and then once it get off, it 
had passed the South Carolina border and was out to sea, it was shot down. Yeah, I read. And the, um, the, the remnants are trying to be collected to analyze what its purpose was, and this was something that China had done, right? Yeah. I, what I read yesterday, and I, you know, I am assuming it is of the true nature, but it said yesterday that it had on board, uh, it was like as big as a, a jet airliner, and it had on board it a uh, about 200 pounds of explosives um, for self-detonation, it said, um, which is leads me to wonder why didn't they self-detonate it if, you know, they saw that it got shot down or, or whatever the case may be. And if they haven't gotten it yet, how do they know this? And But, you know, anyway, see if left you, a lot of questions for me. See if you can find anything relative to now one or two new balloons that have been, I'm going to say, discovered. Um let me tell my cell phone <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Uh, Pentagon has confirmed to ABC News that a second Chinese surveillance balloon has been spotted. That's kind of the headline. We'll go ahead and click on that. Um, over South America, I know that's one thing that I was reading yesterday because this, this had came out, come out uh, yesterday. So um, I think this is the same one. Yeah, over South America, and, and that's all it's stating right now, mm-hmm. or all, all I'm seeing right now. It's, it turned so, to a video on me, but... Okay, so it, it, we know of at least one additional. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, folks, um, today is the seventh day of February. Does... Um, Valentine's Day is always celebrated on the 14th of February. So it's a week away. Hmm. Um, best, I, I, I found a report this morning. Here, let me hand you this one. I know it's thick. <coughs> um, but I, I have a report and Rodney's got a report that I found this morning and printed off. So let me do my uh, mine first. Okay. This is entitled Best Places, the 2023 Best Places for Valentine's Day. Well, as the saying goes, money can't buy love, but it certainly can express it. This year, Americans collectively will spend $25.9 billion on Valentine's Day gifts. Wow. And that we're, we're talking about greeting cards to jewelry to a special night out. The average lovebird shelling out $193. I, <laughs> I feel like I've been letting people down. <laughs> I know. You get a four-dollar card, seven if you're really lucky, and we're doing good that year. Maybe, maybe some roses. <laughs> you know, I, I, I have not spent one hundred and ninety-three dollars, which is the average in our nation. So that uh, means that where you're spending on the low side of things, and pe- pe- people probably spending less than you are, kind of like in the neighborhood that I do. 
uh, it only leads you to wonder how much are people spending on the top end to get the average at 192 now, like that. You know, maybe maybe I'm underestimating, under-predicting what I do. Uh, what am I talking about? Um, because I'm not including going out to dinner. Right. I was, if you include that, it probably gets closer it, to that. It gets closer. Yeah. Um, but um, honestly, I can't. In my lifetime, when I was a child with my mom and dad, it was um, a nice dinner. It was um, a card. Mm-hmm. I don't remember any <clears throat> gifts. Well, it's been so commercialized. It's like everything else. I mean, when when you were a kid, uh, you got maybe one or two presents. You got like a present from your mom and dad maybe, and then you got, um, if you were good, something from Santa Claus or a lump of coal in your your stocking, whatever the case may be. I mean, that was, you know, when I was, of course, when I, I got more than one present, I was of a spoiled generation, I think you could say. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, I, it's been so commercialized is, is what yeah, it is. I, I don't remember how many presents I got, but, you know, my sister would give me one. My parents would give me either one or two. Um you know, it was, um, I don't remember having oodles of gifts at Christmas. Right. Um, and, and certainly now we fit into that category where we're providing a lot of gifts to our grandchildren. Right, yep, <clears throat> yep. So um, anyway, um, th- th- let's not focus so much on the money. <laughs> it's hard not to, Dave. I know. <laughs> They, the, this report goes on, but you don't need to empty your wallet just to show your romantic side. There you go. Depending on where you go and what you do, a sweet evening can be inexpensive and still have the same quality. You just need to be in the right place with the right budget. With love in the air, Wallet Hub, which we often bring their reports in, played Cupid to determine the most romantic and cost-effective cities for celebrating Valentine's Day. They they complained, right. They compared 100 of the largest U.S. cities across 26 different key metrics, ranging from florists per capita to forecasted precipitation to the cost of a three-course meal for two. Hmm. So, uh, let's see here. So, here we go. Valentine's Day. Fun facts. So, what city, and we have a total of, let me make sure I've got this right here. Uh, Sometimes I have so much trouble turning pages. Here we go. Okay, they've listed the top 100 cities to enjoy and ranked them. So, Are there any Ohio cities in there? Yes, sir. Cool. Okay. But number one city, if you were just to guess out loud. I would, I would have to. American cities. I, if it was a West Coast thing, I would almost have to think maybe San Francisco. You did it. <laughs> That's it. Wow. The number one uh, um, 
in is weather forecast and well okay let's put three different areas together four different areas it's number three in budget it's number two in activities available it's number seven in gift accessibility and number 23 in weather forecast hmm. okay well, uh, well done, Rodney. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> you, you. You guessed it right off the bat. Okay, what's next? Seattle, Washington. Then San Diego. Coming in fourth is Las Vegas. Portland, Oregon, fifth. Scottsdale, Arizona, sixth. Honolulu, oh. where I lived for three years, four years. Uh, came in seventh. Orlando, Florida, 8th, Denver, Colorado, ninth, in Washington, D.C., another city I love, 10th. Hmm. Now, name a city you're interested in. I like Nashville. Okay. <laughs> Let me scan down here. And da, 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 da. Nashville came in pretty much in the middle, 48th. Okay. Now, what about Ohio? I would have to think, I mean, Cincinnati for some reason stands out for me. I, I, I don't know why, but Cleveland also has a magic about it as well. Okay. Um, again, I'm having trouble articulating these pages. There are four, four Ohio cities listed. Hmm. Coming in 62nd out of 100 is Columbus. Coming in 74th out of 100 is Cincinnati. I find that odd, honestly. I figured that Cincinnati, well, I guess there's more people in Columbus, maybe. I don't know. Coming in 97th out of 100 is Toledo. Wow. In 98th out of 100, Cleveland. Wow. Um, now, you know, we could have listed far more than 100, but this report only covers 100. So what's at the bottom? Detroit. <laughs> hey, I like Detroit. I, I have nothing against Detroit, but it's funny how it gets such a bad rap. Well, yeah. It, it, I mean, it, yeah, obviously. I mean, you know, it's kind of with the way uh, the economy and stuff is, I'm sure, yeah. I know some people that actually live uh, son, over near 8 Mile, they call it over there, yeah. My son Nick lives in Chesapeake, Virginia. It came in 53rd. Let's see if there is any others that pop out. It's kind of interesting that a lot of the top ten are all on the West Coast or out there. And those are beautiful cities like Seattle. I can only imagine how beautiful Seattle, Washington is. Okay. This, uh, what do we got? About four minutes left. Um, now, let's talk about a three-course meal for two people. So we've got... Five listed is the cheapest places, and five is the most expensive. <coughs> Are these like national recognized places? Yeah. Okay. Well, they're not names. It's not a restaurant. Oh, okay, okay. It's the city. Oh, okay, I got you, I got you. Okay, so cheapest, Gilbert, Arizona, followed by Fremont, California, Glendale, Arizona, Plan, Plan, Plain, Plano, Texas, and Chandler, Arizona. Most expensive? Um, Baton Rouge, 
Louisiana, Newark, New Jersey, Buffalo, New York, Miami, Florida, and Cleveland, Ohio. Baton Rouge? Yeah. I bet you they probably have some really, that's, yeah, probably got some really fancy restaurants around there. Okay, uh, jewelry stores per capita. Hmm. And um, let's see here. Most expensive, Scottsdale, Arizona. Orlando, Florida, Honolulu, Tampa, Miami. Hmm. Fewest jewelry stores per capita, San Bernardino, Gilbert, Arizona, Fremont, California, North Las Vegas, Nevada, and Henderson, Nevada. <laughs> well, uh, it's an interesting report. Now, yeah. you have some stats, too. Yeah, uh, I, I, we were talking about some, you know, talking about the money thing. I was, you know, you, you mentioned the hundred, what was $189 or something like that? That 193 193 is the average. Okay, so here's something interesting. The average Valentine's Day spending by relationship length. Um, and... So wife or girlfriend or whatever. Right, yeah. So depending on how long the relationship, uh, the average Valentine spending, if you are been together for 10 plus years, yep. $189, which is right around that $190 thing that we were talking about there. Yep. Okay, so let's go one. If you're less than a year, uh, the average spending is $186, it says. Not too far off. No. But if you're one to two years in a relationship... It goes up significantly to around two hundred and forty-seven dollars. Holy cow! <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you know, I I think I've done it wrong all my life, <laughs> and, and in whatever level of uh, right, you know what I mean. I go go big in the beginning and then taper off as we go. And I, do, I don't. I mean, of course, a nice dinner, but mercy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, <clears throat> uh, Keith Chapman and all my jewelry friends, I think one time I bought a ring for Pat that was dedicated or uh, occurred for Valentine's. Um, I think I've only done that once. <laughs> or jewelry is not something I typically turn to. I know. And yet, I, 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 uh, every woman I've been involved with loved jewelry. So where? I know. How can I be so stupid? Well, here's the thing for me. I buy jewelry for someone, and then they end up leaving and taking the expensive jewelry with them. So I'm like, ah. <laughs> so, so I've decided I'm not going to do that anymore. Okay. I I, uh, I don't know how, how to react to that. We have less than a minute. What was another point you uh, discovered there? Uh, well, three to five years, two forty-two. It kind of goes down after one to two years, two sixteen, six to nine years, and then, like we said, right uh, around one hundred ninety at ten plus years or so. Well, I've never hit the mark. I don't. Think. <laughs> you may have come closer than what you realize at least that once when you bought the jewelry maybe you made up for it during that time i just can't recall <laughs> we did um uh, when pat and i were married we had a band and then every five years we added a diamond to it oh neat so pretty you know it ended up with a bunch of diamonds inset um well of course i lost her in may 
All right. Well, we are out of time, folks. And um, always a pleasure, Rodney. Absolutely. Enjoyed myself today and uh, looking forward to tomorrow. In our 70th we'll year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. This is CBS News on the Hour, your home for original reporting. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. The death toll now tops 5,000 from yesterday's powerful 7.8 earthquake along the Turkish-Syrian border. Search teams and emergency aid are pouring in from around the world as rescuers dig through the rubble in freezing cold weather, hoping to find survivors. Correspondent Cammie McCormick. In the